0: Welcome to the Cash-Based Practice Owners interview series where I, Dr. Morgan Meese PT, am interviewing different clinicians across the country who practice in a variety of ways, but all outside of being in-network with insurance. The world of entrepreneurship and business for healthcare professionals is full of knowledge, creativity, and amazing people just like you who wanted something different. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganmeese.com. I would love to speak with you. So please join me as I interview our guests today.
1: Today's guests are Erica Wong and Joe White of White Wong PT. Dr. Joe White received his Doctorate of Physical Therapy from Bernau University. He's worked in the medical field since 2007, getting his start as an EMT in Atlanta, Georgia. He then made the transition into fitness. He founded and co-owned a local garage gym and became a CrossFit trainer at CrossFit Lilburn 678. When not treating patients, Dr. Joe enjoys reading, coffee, CrossFit, paddleboarding, hiking, canyoneering, and climbing. Dr. Erica Wong attended the University of California, Davis, where she completed her Bachelor's of Science in Exercise Biology with a minor in Chicano Studies. Dr. Erica earned her Doctorate of Physical Therapy from Bernal University. Since 2007, Dr. Erica has worked in the rehabilitation and sports performance industry. Throughout her career, Erica has worked as a student athletic trainer for multiple teams in NCAA Division I athletics. As a first responder, as a rehabilitation technician, as a personal trainer, and as a coach. In her free time, Dr. Erica enjoys cooking, traveling, reading, spending time with family and friends, playing volleyball, and spending time in the great outdoors paddleboarding, hiking, canyoneering, and climbing. So with us today are
0: Erica Wong and Joe White of White Wong PT. Um, They are good friends of mine. Um, We split the city of Las Vegas for CrossFit physical therapy. Um, And today they are here to tell us all about their journey and what led them into cash-based practice. Um, We've gotten together and we've gotten to know each other over the past few months and everything. So I'm really excited that they're here. Um, so yeah, with that, thanks for being here and we'd love to know more about you guys and your journey.
2: appreciate the intro Morgan. Yeah. So uh, got my start in the medical community probably in the mid 2000s. I was EMT for a while, and then transitioned into uh, personal training and then worked at a, at a CrossFit gym as a trainer for a while, people would come up, my elbow hurts, my shoulder hurts, I had no idea what the do or say about that so I started doing research Found people doing performance PTs online or like doing performance PT type stuff uh, like Kelly Starrett in his early days and uh, I just thought that's what PT was So I was like oh okay cool like these guys yeah. like teach people how to work out I, uh, and I like, teach them how their children can feel better why well, can keep them in the gym so let's do that and I went to school and it was like totally different than what you expect I had no friends that were PTs I didn't know what to expect going to school and then you, you learn very little about business in school too. So uh, that, uh, well, Eric and I met in school and I'll let her tell her side of the story.
3: Yeah, so Joe and I met in grad school and that's kind of our backstory. Uh, but getting into PT in general, I think I wanted to be a PT since I was, I don't know, middle school. So gone, gone through the gamut of, of following and observing and all that stuff. And we met in grad school and we had generally had an idea of, we wanted to in a sense do our own thing i was a personal trainer for you know several years so kind of had that background in general and uh, just going through that we just talked about that throughout grad school and you know and one of the questions i think was just like in hindsight like i wish i started more like writing in a sense or like organizing my thoughts after grad school because i feel like that's just a good time to be able to reflect, and you can just write anything that you're writing about. You can just, yeah. <laughs> make it, or like you know, you write your papers or something. Just make that into how do I explain this to a lay audience? And I think that's the biggest part of uh, what we do now is figuring out how to communicate to the lay audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: I didn't always answer the question, but in general, I think that's another thing that I think if, if I were to go back into grad into grad school and do that again, mm-hmm. I would do that during grad school
2: and when we met we uh, pretty much knew that we were going to be doing some kind of a cash-based PT thing uh, mm-hmm. we maybe like what, maybe six months after knowing each other we'd already started conversations about like where are we are gonna live we're we gonna start the practice at we just knew that that was what we wanted to do both a little bit older like non-traditional students so we were used to working for other people and didn't always enjoy that so it's nice to be able to be your own boss and work for yourself
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's what I was going to ask is like, when, when did you know that you were going to have to do something like this and not work for anybody else anymore? I think
3: regionally, uh, physical therapy can look very different. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in California and we went to grad school in, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you did some, Joe did some clinicals in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was mostly in Georgia, but the volume of people we saw during that time, I was like, man, this is going to be, so-. I mean, as a student, you kind of see that, you you see other people, you know, seeing how many people that they see and then just going through the the gamut of, you know, figuring out an eval when you're a student and going through that. And then you just look at that and like, man, that's, they, they seem so-. like the people who are, working at these companies seem really stressed out. They don't yeah. really, you know, and so you look at that, I'm like, man, I don't really know if I can could, I could handle this, you know, in the, in the long term, just because a lot of them were, in a sense, new grads too. So it's it's tough and you look at their lives and like, well, that's not something I want, I'm going to be able to sustain mm-hmm. like 20 or 30 more
2: years. And there's a reason why I don't see people that are like 50, still working in an outpatient clinic, you know, even late forties now, it's getting kind of uncommon so there's a reason for that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like just, you know, like we, we've talked before, but you know, just my uh, personal experience and outpatient, you know, seeing 25 or 30 people a day (laughs) was a lot. And I know that that's, it's like not uncommon, you know, that's something that is seen a lot of places. And I think that, you know, just I mean, we're not, we're not machines, you know, we are, we're in a caring profession and it's supposed to be, you know, like one-on-one care and it's just, you know, like you guys were saying, like, it's just not sustainable, um, you know, for one person to keep doing long term. Um, so yeah, and that's why we're all here <laughs> is to do something that, you know, feels better for us and then, you know, in turn that provides a lot better care to the patients as well. Um, so tell us about your practice. You have now, how did that get started? Um, you know, how long have you guys been practicing and what you love about it?
2: So we've been practicing, I'd say a little over a year for ourselves, but technically we started more in January is when we went more professional than we were before. Mm-hmm. I was more side hustle before, and we just had a table in the middle of the gym, but we didn't have our own room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that started in january uh, the previous gym closed down it's kind of actually a surprise to us but then it ended up being a good thing so that we ended up moving into the south location of from culmination and then we just opened the north location here maybe a month ago uh, so we have a location in the, their north gym as well in summerlin area that's awesome then, uh, i'm not sure if that answered all the question i, I uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: was involved in that well, how has how has your first like year been? Like, how's the journey been being cash practice owners?
3: It's been fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of a emotional roller coaster sometimes too, but mm-hmm. like figuring things out and just learning from you know different mistakes that you make, or just being able to connect with other people and figure out hey, just like that's another reason why we we connected too is like hey, let's yeah. uh, learn from each other and kind of figure, out, figure this out together, right? And, I, and that's a big thing is, you know, we're not alone in this in this journey either, even though it might feel like it's lonely, you know, it, whether you're a solo entrepreneur or, you know, you, you have a bunch of people in your practice. You're still like, there's people all over the country still doing this too. So again, if, if you're thinking about it and you, you're hesitant, remember that there are people just like you out there just maybe not in your area, but there are people out there, so you can you can connect with them, and you're not alone in the process of figuring things out. Because we're still figuring things out entirely. You know, by no means do we have anything. Going <laughs> Where we learn, and keep learning, and that's that's the fun part. And I think as we, you know, go through our lows, we celebrate the highs as well. You know, and going mm-hmm. through that, just realizing that the process of all this stuff we're doing is just is, is just to, to develop ourselves
2: in a sense, you know. I expect to do a lot of things wrong, and, and people learn better that way by doing things wrong.
3: Yeah. you know, if you
2: get it right the first time, it might be just a mistake. So if you uh, learn everything that you're doing, like if you're doing video editing, for instance, your first thing is called a rough draft for a reason. It's not a perfect uh, thing you're going to put on YouTube. So it's just important to expect that. I expect you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to do a lot of things wrong. doesn't mean you're not. Capable or smart or anything like that—it just means that you're learning. And uh, also, I think surrounding, like Erica was saying, surrounding yourself with people that are doing similar things or understand what you want to do is very important. Because uh, you know, we, would, we would tell our friends that we're doing this, and it, um, it's becoming more and more common now. But mentioning it two or three years ago, you tell someone that you're going to do a cash practice, and everyone's like, "Oh, you can't make any money doing that. Like, no one's going to come see you. You really need to deal with insurance." So. I think that uh, just make sure that you're around people that are gonna you know tell you that or agree with what you're doing you know and if they don't then maybe schedule them less time
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely because i am you know like you're saying you know nobody's gonna be perfect especially if you're going into business for yourself like there's so many different things that you have to figure out Um, but if you are able to surround yourself with people who are doing things similarly you know, whether it be other therapists or even, you know, there are physicians and other medical practitioners who are taking a non-traditional route, like being able to build that network is only going to, you know, surround you with friends for one, which is always nice. Um, But then you always have people to learn from, ask questions to. And, you know, I love what you said, Erica, too, and that I think is one of the biggest hurdles to get over is, you know, when you're starting a business, you feel like you have to do it all by yourself. But there's so many people out there who are willing to help you along the way too.
3: Yes. And I, and uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, that's one thing (laughs) is, is a tough part too. You know, we are, I mean, we tend to like be self-sufficient and autonomous, you know, as just as practitioners. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but, I don't know anything about audio-visual stuff, right? <laughs> so yeah. just going through that process and asking some of our friends and like doing some research about it. It's just, I think that's that's where you just, you just basically build up that, that, that vocabulary. You no, know, it's, like, it's like in grad school. Mm-hmm. You know, at first you didn't know what, you know, some part of the brain was, right? Then you learned. And then that's just part of your vocabulary now. And that's essentially what we've been doing, but with all parts of uh, running a business. So whether that's, like, taxes, accounting, marketing, sales, <laughs> income, you know, all those things, and you just have to develop that vocabulary. First, to get a general idea, and then you can have more conversations with people. And being able to ask those, the correct questions, so you can get the mm-hmm. most out of the, the questions that you're asking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I don't think anybody's ever brought that up before, that there's, like, a whole new vocabulary to learn. But, like, you, you get it as you go. You know, and you're you're not expected to you know come out of school knowing all this stuff right away.
3: Oh yeah, and and you know, that's the reason why everybody has a different profession, right? It's because that's yeah. what they do for, to help other people do that, figure that thing out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I
3: that sometimes, and then I'm like looking at like reading accounting things, and I'm like, yeah, that's why they went to school to so, like figure that stuff out. <laughs> you know, I have, I don't want to read the tax code,
2: you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys have been in practice for kind of like over a year now, year and a half or so. Um, but if you can like think back and remember to your first, like three to six months, what do you feel like was the biggest challenge that you faced when you were first getting started?
2: Uh, I think the main thing for most cash people is that it's harder to get patients because you have to do your own marketing,
0: mm-hmm. it's
2: a different type. So you have to really get people to to trust you and believe in what you're doing. Before they come and see you as a patient, so I think part of the hard part is uh, that building the initial base of customers that you're trying to see where you're convincing them that this is worth their time. And mm-hmm. worth um, but I would, I would also say too that sometimes unexpected stuff will happen, but and it seems like it's bad at first, but it ends up being better. So our gym closing down that we were out of, it was actually a surprise to us. So I, I was going in there to treat a patient, and then when I walked in, uh, the everything was like stripped out. Like the gym was actually moved.
3: I that.
2: Yeah. And we weren't told about it. So then I had someone showing up to come see me in like five, 10 minutes so yeah. I real quick. And I'm like, all right, all the gym's gone. There's no equipment. Uh, it's vacant. I have patient in like 10 minutes. So then she immediately started looking uh, and <laughs> found us the spot really quick. Uh, we just got really lucky with the people that we knew. Uh, somebody just knew that this gym had a an open room. Uh, but it was awkward treating that patient in the front office with no gym equipment in there. Like, the First time I met him, I swear, didn't bring him here to kill you.
3: <laughs>
2: but, but we'll, we'll stay in the front. We'll keep the lights on. We'll keep the door open. Feel more comfortable. So that was, uh,
3: yeah, that was a stressful time. But then we look yeah. at it and like, oh yeah, that happened. And then we just kind of forget about it sometimes until we like have to talk about it, or we talk about it again. We're like, oh yeah, remember when that happened? And freaking out, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and for now, it's funny. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so. that's like one of my favorite stories for you guys. I can't even imagine that like happening.
2: Yeah, it's awkward. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you met that guy. I mean, you could see in the back. There's obviously nothing there. It really looked like I just. Yeah, we just operate on this open warehouse that, you know, nothing in it. But yeah. Do you want to answer questions as they come up on the thing?
0: um sure i mean like the next thing i was gonna ask you guys you know like you were talking about joe where it's like it's hard when you first get going to figure out how to explain to people your value and like erica like you said kind of like in layman's terms you know like who you are because nobody even knows (laughs) what physical therapy is um you know and like why people should come and see you, like why they should pay you, um, you know? And so like this comment here, can you share some on how you market for private pay? That was gonna be my next question. Cause I get that a lot. That's like a huge concern for people is like, well, like how, how am I gonna do this? Who's gonna pay me? So what advice do you guys have for that?
3: Yeah, so do a few things. In a, in a sense we kind of use all avenues of communication if you will right so whether that's you know in person by create like uh, by doing seminars that's something that we do either virtually like you know because of the coronavirus either virtually or online mm-hmm. uh, so in like in person then it's live just kind of like how we're doing it um, and like a zoom call so you can kind of see what people are doing um, if you are going through like a kind of an active type of workshop whatever you're teaching um, blog post we just started a, a podcast that's one of that, uh another thing we added uh social media so all social media whether it's instagram facebook we don't do twitter uh nor tiktok so i guess we are <laughs> we don't have all social media but we have two we of social media mm-hmm. uh, newsletters is like an email list in a sense but yeah we kind of look at it in a way it's like how do people who are the people we want to be able to treat, you know, or who are we looking to, to be able to work with? That's one mm-hmm. thing, and then two is like, all right, how do those people interact with information? When you think about it yourself, you can think about how you, how you do that, right? You listen to podcasts, you listen, you read blog posts, you go on Google, you on Facebook, you're on Instagram, like, or, or TikTok or Snapchat, I don't know, how, however you consume your media, Mm-hmm. And or whoever your audience is, that's essentially how we have to go in all a- in all avenues, in a sense, mm-hmm. to, be able to
2: uh, market, in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The reason that you do that is if you see it from the person's point of view. So if they have insurance that could pay for something in their mind, and they have to be just, it has to be told to them, like why would you come and see these other people? So they're going to go look at all the things that Erica just mentioned. They're going to look at your YouTube page. They're going to look at your website. Uh, they want to see if you exist first, like how legit are you? And then they're going to see what your information is. And some people watch a lot of your videos or they'll like read some of your content. They want to see if they agree to it. They want to see if it speaks to them. Um, you know, you might write something about, like, oh, does your shoulder hurt? And you're lifting overhead. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, mine does. Um, so you have to try and find that commonality with them. Uh, but really, a lot of the social media stuff that you're doing might not necessarily be that something that somebody sees and then they come to you directly. It might be that they're going to look at that after they hear about you to see what you are, are your skill set, who do you treat, to learn more about you, and then they'll maybe pursue you from there. And we've had some people that, at first, um, they're like, ah, it's expensive, you know, maybe I should use my insurance. And you're like, go do that. And then people use their insurance, and then they come back and they're like, that was awful. I was one of three people. They threw me a TheraBand. And I was doing some kind of starfish exercise.
3: Or the moon <laughs> as they were three months ago, you know, mm-hmm. and that didn't change anything, so.
2: I was going to say some of our best clients are people that have been to other professionals and didn't work for them so Mm -hmm. people are on the fence like that and uh, they haven't been to PT before or any kind of rehab tell them to go see other people go do it you know and and maybe it works for them and that's fine Uh, but they still might remember too that you treat that population that you treat and then they might refer someone else to you so some of our I'd say longest lasting patients have gone to other healthcare professionals and had bad visits and then you have the advantage because you have the time. So if you're gonna see them for an hour and then they're uh you know with big season for five minutes, they're gonna just feel like you care more about them just because you more time with them. So yeah.
3: yeah. We call it like the, the nurture process is essentially what people call it, right? Just
2: yeah initially
3: I mean I, I go through like buying process of like, all right, I'm gonna buy a pair of shoes. It's probably and I'm probably a far-out example, Joe can attest to this. But it probably takes me a good like six months to figure out what shoe I want to get, actually even years at some points. So like I'm looking at what type of shoe I want and I'm not gonna decide whether I'm gonna buy it until like until a certain time. Until, until it's like, discontinued. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you have
2: to look at research the next one.
3: But I'm like a yeah, I'm a weirdo with when it comes to like shopping and picking items. But that I, I look at that and I'm like, how many times did I go to that website? <laughs> Like a problem
2: a lot, you know, it's like your homepage yeah. and Google's like, this is where you always go. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, and just buy the shoes already. Yeah. And that's what he said. She has to tell me. It's like, hey, you should get those shoes. I'm like, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm
3: I shouldn't. Not yet. It's not. I'm not
2: ready yet. I'm like, I will buy them for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So like you. You know, I feel like you guys are a really good example of kind of like a like a slow burn marketing strategy where you, you know, you're posting tons of content all the time. I am like very impressed by your Instagram. I feel like you guys put up so much great stuff all the time, um, which is really awesome. And can you guys still hear me? Yo, it's uh, still loading, but we're still here. We can see. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's me or you, but I've been having a lot of trouble with my with my internet connection. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was me. Yeah, I think it just
3: it just likes to show you new pictures, like give you a different visual, you know. That's, that's yeah. what that was, that's what we're going for. <laughs> we'll uh, listen, maybe next time uh, the video turns <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, like you, like you're saying, you know, you put out a lot of like Instagram stuff, blog posts, podcasts, you know, you're always at the gym, you're putting on seminars and workshops, and you're just doing a really good job of communicating in the most simple way possible, you know, what you can help with. Um, and like then through, you know, your service delivery, you're also communicating the fact that you care a lot about the people that you work with, which, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, that's what most people want is they just want somebody to take care of them, you know? So once you can break down that initial barrier and get somebody in the door and show them that it just, it makes it like easier and easier every time to start to accumulate more clients.
3: We well, appreciate that. That's really, really nice to hear that. Because yeah. again, uh, I'll share this too, is, you know, you, you, I was just talking to someone who has like a million followers or not a million, but like a thousand, like <laughs> mm-hmm. amount of followers, like.
2: Higher than I can count.
3: Yeah. Like 50, 50,000. let's say for example, but she has a lot of followers. Right. And uh, she was like, you know, and we're, we're just talking about content in general. And we're like, you know, and I, I feel this way. It's like, Hey, you, you, you shared this to people. And whatever amount of your followers, it doesn't matter the amount of the followers, you just look at it and you don't really get a lot of feedback about it, right? Whether it's like, is anybody, I mean, you get to see like, are people watching it? In some sense, you get the insight from the, from Instagram or, or Facebook, just kind of the analytics. But in general, you don't really get visual feedback. Like, I can see like what you're nodding your head, you know, like you're paying attention, you know? So, you know, that visual feedback, typically, you just kind of send it out and it's like, well, there you go so yeah. it, and just talked to her and she has a ton of followers and she said the same thing so it's it doesn't matter the the audience size i feel like everybody kind of goes through that in terms of when they're producing content it's in you know social media or whatever that's youtube however you do that it's kind mm-hmm. of that factor that's always going to be there no matter what your skill level is or how long you yeah. it.
0: yeah yeah for sure Um, And I know like one other really big question that I get all the time and we might have already kind of talked about it, but um, lots of people panic and say, where do I even get clients? Like where, where do I even start? And it sounds like, do you guys get most of your clients from the content you produce? Do like most people come to you and say like, hey, I saw your blog post on this, I saw your post on this, and I just wanted to come in and talk to you or do you find your clients in a different avenue?
2: I'd say our clients seem to look at our social media stuff from when we ask them, but -hmm. I don't think we necessarily get them. A lot of it is so far, I mean, it kind of changes, uh, but it seems like a lot of it is mainly from people we've interacted with in person somehow. Mm -hmm. So maybe they did a workshop, they went to one of our zoom things. Uh, Maybe they're like a friend of somebody. uh, So maybe referral. And that Mm -hmm. seems to be where we actually clients but then they still seem to look at our social media stuff though to see what we do because sometimes they'll just have a comment and they'll say something and you're like huh don't even remember that we made a video on that but it shows that they probably saw something at some time
3: yeah mostly i'd say word word of mouth but it's funny because you know everybody kind of has their their way of getting clients in the sense it's and it could be the polar opposite like we have i have a buddy he's a cash he's a cash pt uh, in California mm-hmm. he doesn't do any social media whatsoever he has like a website mm-hmm. and all, most of his leads are from uh, google oh really cool and he does a newsletter every week
2: yeah
3: so oh, that's, nice. that's his that's his only thing and then we have people who are just you know word of mouth only and then there's some people who are just digital it, that's all they do is just digital stuff, and then there's kind of like the combination. So, I mean, we, we talked briefly about it before, like kind of the nurture process. Yeah, and it, it really depends on like you know whether your region maybe or just kind of y- your style, but kind or of your like, clients, yeah, you know, your clients. So, I, I guess it, it it, I know that it's hard to say to give people like really vague answers sometimes, but like <laughs> there's a huge, there's a huge variance in the people mm-hmm. that we know who own cash practices. And it's crazy to hear what, what works for some people as no success mm-hmm. for other people, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a game too where you, you just kind of have to try and see what's, see what's out there and just figure it out from there. I know it's, a, it's it's tough because you want to be able to be like, I should definitely do this to work, make it work, mm-hmm. but it might not work for you, you know?
2: I think the in-person stuff definitely is a good place to start, like forming relationships <laughs> with people in the area. So if you're going to treat people that are active, like go find those people. And then just be in that community. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that is a really good place to start. And I, I think that's one thing we didn't do starting off. Uh, like We did a lot, we did more quantity rather than quality when it came to visiting different sites and talking to people. And there are times when I go somewhere and come back like a month later and they won't even remember that I was there. Yeah. just uh, so shows how many people that come through the door uh, where people just think you're trying to sell them something. But if they know who you are first, know your name, uh, then it seems like you're more likely to have a good, uh, in there, or they're mm-hmm. to more, they at least remember you. So, I, I think that that would be pretty helpful. And I'd also say, like, only pick, well, pick like one or two main ways maybe you're going to market, and then really try and do that for a little while and then see how it does. I think we kind of diversified that too fast in the beginning and then kind of like made all these different things that we're doing. And then now, as you're coming back, now we're having to go back and like kind of refine some of it and like redefine how we're approaching it. Uh, I think that that. Maybe having a better marketing plan, I guess I would say, from the beginning, maybe save you a lot of time.
3: Yeah, and anyway, I've heard this recently on uh, Ben Bergeron's podcast. If you guys listen to that, chasing excellence, he was talking about his kids and like how how many times you have to. T- I don't, have, I don't have kids, but I remember being told as a kid how many times you have to do something. Like you didn't, you know, put away your laundry, so mm-hmm. or you going to bed that morning, right? And it's it's and it kind of it frames it in, in a way where you're like, all right, you have to hear hear or do something seven to nine times before you actually take an action to it. And if you look at it, if you think about that too, it's like whether it's you know you're 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 going to McDonald's, like how often do you see the McDonald's sign? Like seven, like there there are times where you've interacted with that that sign or you know something with whether it's content or. Someone read something or some. They have to see it, or mm-hmm. you even have to tell somebody like seven times before they make they understand. Like, oh, I should really make my bed. That makes like that's probably a good idea, right? Like, or like brushing your teeth. Like, oh, that's really good. I could probably brush my teeth every day. Like, yeah, your <laughs> tell you these things multiple times in order for your brain to like understand. But the same thing goes with the like, kind of the psychology of you know either marketing or sales. Whether that that is, it's like. Those touch points really do matter in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you pay for a marketer or a social media expert, or did you figure it out all by yourself?
2: Currently, we're doing it on our own. Erica started
0: most of the media,
2: but I've been helping her with it. Uh, it. I would love to get to the point that we could have someone else do it for us. Yeah. Uh, but we're still kind of in the early stages of our practice. And really, it's would say since our main start was really in January, pretty much we've had the COVID thing going for a lot of, you know half the time that we've
3: been open or maybe a third of the time so um, yeah i would love to and, see somebody that'd be awesome because <laughs> then it frees up our time a little bit yeah. more i feel like a lot of a lot of our time has kind of been at this creation mode which is okay like if it's something like you enjoy doing like writing or being on camera or you know doing that type of stuff then i think it's kind of a fun little uh escape from like your everyday like treatment of mm-hmm. you know, your clients or your patients but it's also a lot more time consuming than you may imagine
0: (laughs) yeah i totally understand that like right now my sister she has been working as a va for me for a while so if you guys are interested let me know um but um she just like she handles so much of my social media stuff for me that would normally take me like five or 10 hours probably a week to make sure I get all of that stuff out there. And I think like, that's a big piece of like scaling probably is like learning how to delegate and like what you can delegate and also like learning to let go of things and be okay with like, you know, like eighty percent as good as you could do it. You know, I think that that's that's a good rule to go by. But you know, it sounds like from a lot of what you're saying with, um, you know, like the marketing stuff is, it's like it's about creating opportunities for engagement with your community and to have conversations with people, whether it is on your social media or whether it is an email list, you know, or you show up on Google or you're doing seminars and stuff. Like the more opportunities opportunities. opportunities that you give to your community to learn about who you are and get to know you um, I feel like that's you know I think like Joe you were saying like that's a really good way to start off with things before you move into like tons of like automations and ads necessarily
3: yeah and I think this is another one too that I just thought of and noticed as I interact with more people is Mm -hmm. some people have this like function I don't know how to do it but I think it's a great way to interact with people is the if the pers- if a person follows you or messages you, there's this like automatic function to be like, hey, thanks for, you know, messaging me. And and it's just basically like a whatever script that you want to, but it already manic- automatically creates a conversation. So I don't know if you have, I don't know how to do it, but I've seen people do it and I think it's really cool because I was like, oh, I got a message from her. That's cool. Like she thought a <laughs> me you know but it's the same thing it's like that personal connection and you're like oh i wonder you know they're they're reaching out to me so let's i'll respond back to that so that's another way that you and essentially don't have to pay for you know clicks or whatever is like just whoever that you interact with on your social media you can send them a message and be like hey thanks for. this is another tip we got from from gg he's a he's a pt uh Mm -hmm. over in uh, south carolina but he said anybody who follows you anybody who likes any of your posts just say message them and say hey thank you for interacting with the post or thank you for you know or how's your day going or whatever that may be and that that mm-hmm. adds that extra layer we don't do a good job about it, it by any means because we definitely don't but i think that was like a, a great way to get more interaction with someone you might not have um, seen just because they just liked your video or something mm-hmm. but that extra layer and you just mentioned that recently and i think that's a great way to have a little bit more interaction mm-hmm. um, with your audience yeah we should- yeah we should-
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and i think that like one one piece that i try to you know myself to do and then like i tell other other people who are new to this is that you have to kind of learn how to be like, assertive and, like, take initiative in developing these relationships, because I think a lot of us are just so nice that we don't want to, like, offend anybody by, like, you know, like, talking too much or saying the wrong thing, Um, but you have to learn how to, like, have more agency in your role as a practice owner and, like, being the expert and being willing to, you know, reach out and, like, deliver that message and say, hey, thanks for, you know, liking my posts, you know, like, you are giving yourself the opportunity. You're not waiting for the opportunity to come to you. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is, you know, they'll set up their practice and then say, okay, like, where are my patients? You know, but you're not doing anything to like create that action and the opportunities for people to learn about you.
3: Yeah. Another thing I I heard recently too, is actually from one of the personal trainers at the gym that we are at. He he worked with this guy who was like an awesome salesman at like a global gym. And he said, you know, what would be the alternative? If I if I don't help this person, like I'm helping the person, right, whatever we're doing, we're helping that person. It's not like we're, you know, yes, we're selling, I mean, yeah, we're not, sell, we're not trying to sell, sell their like, credit card numbers, or we're, <laughs> we're trying to sell them a fan that doesn't work, you know, it's like, what we actually do, are helping, we're actually helping people. Mm-hmm. So I guess keep that in mind too, and, and I think that's something that keeps, that re- really resonated with me when he said that. I was like, he's totally right, cause, alternative would be that person's still going to have that problem or they're not going to get help with that and you know that's and that's what what we want to do and that's the main goal of what we do right is to help people figure out what whatever problem that may be
0: yeah for sure um and like i think that's like a big piece of sales that just like Nobody is going to know, like going into starting your own business, like being able to be like a salesperson is a skill that you're just going to like constantly be developing. Um, You know, but I think that's a really good way to look at it. And it kind of goes back into that piece of like, well, who's going to pay me, you know, but if you can communicate the fact that you, can solve the problem for somebody, you know, and like relieve them of the pain, help them with their fitness, et cetera, you know, you can provide the solution. People will pay for that, you know? And if, if you're able to communicate that well and show them like all the things that you can do for them, you know, because you are helping them, like you said, you know, it's a lot easier <laughs> to, to make that sale for sure. Um, what are some examples of topics you've done, seminars on that you've got a good audience for? Yeah, so we work
3: with CrossFitters. That's our main population. So we, we kind of went with the route of what are the most common injuries that we see with CrossFitters. And we've we've kind of framed it in different ways. Uh, one being like we've tried to start with a knee seminar, which I think a squat seminar
2: probably, I don't know, maybe
3: resonated with people. I don't really know. But
2: uh, not everyone might be hurt. It might be more that they are looking for a skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- Kind of hard to like you have to maybe see the culture of the gym that you're at, maybe the age of the people that you're dealing with. So, if you think like a lot of them have some kind of pain or something, maybe then you could say, like, oh, it's a shoulder seminar, you know, we're gonna help you lift overhead without being hurt, or if it's like younger, maybe like improve performance, so you might have to change it a little bit for the wording, But I'd say a lot of like anything overhead for crossfitters, they definitely need help with that typically, and then back stuff, it's pretty helpful for them as well.
3: We've done some desk seminars for some office like uh, corporate corporate places mm-hmm. that's been too so and it's uh those are probably our our main ones that we have that we generally have a good i mean pre corona it's usually better definitely yeah. better, but uh during corona we had a decent and again with some of the seminars too i'm not gonna like your first one like it it, it does matter how you market it to if you can have some help with from the gym, or you know from the, the office, or whoever that you're you're hosting it at, I think that's mm-hmm. really helpful.
2: Um, yeah, because if, if they don't promote it, no one's gonna show up. But then when they show up, you want to make sure that you. Uh, sometimes if the group is bigger, we actually have less of a response later on mm-hmm. because oh, you don't know, one-on-one time with people. So mm-hmm. the, the magic number for us has been like maybe six, eight, somewhere like that. Because yeah. then you get enough time that you can talk to each person. Uh, like we've had some seminars we will. We'll, do it for like eight, 10 people, and you don't get really a lot of feedback or any clients out of it. And then we had one that was like five out of six people came back and saw us as patients. So awesome. like the way that you run it is, really can make a difference. Uh, yeah. with it. Making sure that you like get one-on-one time with each person and try and use their name, uh, those things are very helpful.
3: Yeah, I'd say I we prefer, that's just kind of our style, we just like to have the lower number and like a little bit more individualized like, attention to mm-hmm. each individual. But some people might do better with you know, larger groups, in like up to, you know, twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. It depends on kind of how how you kind of like to communicate that, and it's also helpful to have another person there, um, just for like signing up, and if you do have a waiver or something that you want to have somebody sign, it's nice to be able to have two people there to um, to kind of manage questions and then you can also have somebody book for you like so if you have okay to like for example if like joe's gonna answer some of the questions i'll take care of more of the admin it doesn't have to be someone who's um you know skilled or whatever like or the it could be like your your spouse or like you know somebody who just is there to help that help you book and understand how to do it like and the questions can be like okay if i was just like I, if i wasn't a pt i would help joe in that way to schedule mm-hmm. And not have to answer more of the technical
2: questions. Yeah, and just so when you go in, like really practice what you're going to say. So if you're like, so if you just show up and just talk about the topic, and you're like, all right, well we're done now, and then you leave. If people want to that. You you would be willing to see them as a patient. They're like, oh, thanks for the and you know, it's like the credits are rolling now at the end of the movie theater, and people are like waiting to see if there's anything after the show, like in the Avengers movies. They're like, well, Thanos is going to be in this at the end? I don't know. So it's uh, it's good to like kind of express why you're there maybe and tell them and say, oh yeah. And you know, we, we know that people uh, probably have different kinds of issues in the crowd. Like we'll stay after, answer any question that you have, like try and be available for them. Uh, sometimes maybe if you're doing an offer, we could tell them anyone that shows up these seminars, if you signed in, we have your email address. We'll give you a discount on the first session. Okay. Uh, we, you know, do something where they, they know that they can see you as a patient because otherwise <laughs> I had time, uh, I'll get done. And I'm like All right. Uh, is there coffee? You know, and then, <laughs> uh, it gets real awkward and then they don't know if they're supposed to come see you or if they should just leave. Uh, so it's good to make sure that you kind of like you're the one in the room, that's the authority. So you want to make sure that you're telling them like what's going on and you know, when you're done and tell them, you stay after, you know, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of have a good flow to it and offer to see them if they yeah. need it. That's helpful.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Like it, you know, it sounds silly, but like, that's kind of part of like the whole piece of having a business is you have to make it clear to people that they can pay you to come see you. And you Mm -hmm. know, you're not just somebody who's there to like, talk about body parts. And that's it. You know, thanks for coming. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that is a really good point. I think that those are great tips for people wanting to do a seminar or a webinar. You know, those are things I didn't even think about, you know, just having somebody to like do some admin stuff, you know, having an offer there and kind of having like a, I don't know, like kind of like an end piece or like an end cap to things, you know, to, you know, make it clear that they can go if they want, but you know, you're also there to talk to them and get to know them, things like that. So I think that that'll be really helpful um, for other people who are wanting to do seminars and webinars and things um second to last question if you had to give one to three up to you one to three pieces of advice to somebody who is brand new at this what would they be
3: want
2: to give one not give one how about that i'd say be patient it's not going to happen overnight and just Mm -hmm. expect mistakes i think especially with uh people now i think are so used to like quick gratification and and all that and it's just not going to happen that way Mm -hmm. uh very few people start and then have this like amazing experience normally it's going to be really difficult uh if you are working somewhere else or if you have a spouse that's working somewhere else like you'll probably have to work part-time first or do something like that or you know work at another job and then slowly taper your time back mm-hmm. um, just expect that it's going to take some time and anything that's worth doing takes time and anything that is quality is going to take time so just make sure that you're helping people and being genuine and i know it sounds so cliche but I'm telling you they'll remember you way better If you help them out or if you like give them some tip at the gym and then uh that'll get them curious about you so i would say just be in it for the long haul don't get discouraged don't quit two three months in because you know you're not quitting your other job yet just understand that this is going to be your lifestyle yeah yeah i think that's all
0: yeah
3: yeah and joe Joe touched on basically just know it's it's just long-term growth and sometimes it takes some uh dedication to it so i'm reading a book uh called uh the perennial seller i don't know if you guys heard of that book but uh, ryan holiday wrote it and it's just basically uh just how to like have become a classic in some senses and Mm -hmm. uh one of the things that he mentions is you know if you're a writer you write a book and you you devote your life to it that's all you do Mm -hmm. is years one year that's it's nothing else you don't do anything else so if you think about what we're doing as a business owner we do a lot of things so with, with that time being like displayed in so many different directions i think that kind of goes along the point with you know being patient because sometimes it just like just even the cover art on some of the some of the like like a kill a mockingbird took a year so to keep that keep that in mind like and then, then see how many copies that that wrote so it just in in, in addition like that's just something to think about and It's been helping me give get some um, perspective because mm-hmm. sometimes we can we can feel like it's we want everything to happen right now, and then we I realize okay well you can't write you can't write something that's going to be great in in ten seconds you know so you have you have to but the dedication is there um, but that's just kind of piggybacking off that point but I'd say the 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 main thing that I would recommend would be your business education starts now it's, Whatever it is that you want to learn about, watch some YouTube videos, read some books, you know, ask some friends who are in the like. Just just ask ask people questions, and I think that's um, how you can kind of learn how to do things. And then once people tell you about stuff, research it, look it up, and just kind of keep going and keep learning. Even if it's you know maybe you're you're thinking about it and you're you're not sure if you're quite yet there at least you're, you're reading about it and you're learning about it. And that's just going to help you no matter what. And nobody can take your education or knowledge away from you. So.
2: She's right. So start, literally start now, like once we're done here, and it's called over. Uh, it sounds funny, but you know, if you start automatically, like start putting out content now, like even before you make your company, if you have like three or four good blog articles in the bank, you can just release them slowly over the week. There's no like stress to get it done. If you, you know, if you start batching your content now, you could start, doing research now. I mean, whatever phase you feel like you're in, like, you can definitely start right now. And even if you're working for another job, even if you're spending 10 minutes a day looking up how to get a business license, like start doing that as soon as you can. That's one thing I wish we would have done earlier. If I know what I know now, I probably would have started like in school uh, yeah. doing stuff, like started the marketing already, uh, start getting people excited about what you're doing, putting out videos, because um, then you could have you know, a year or two years worth of content by the time you start, people are going to be lining up to see you then. I mean, people are going to be so much more familiar with you. You know, even if you're in school, you could still go out in the community that you think you're going to work in. Uh, you know, if you're going to be in that city, like start meeting the gym owners, start meeting the people that are applies instructors or wherever you're going to practice. I and mean, you have you have the time now. you like, go do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, and I agree with you. If I had known, I would have started like way, way earlier. Um, and... I think that's really key to talk about, you know, how this does take, you know, a lot of time. I feel like, you know, what I want most people who are brand new to this to know is that, you know, you're really going to see whether your business is going to work or not like in the first like 12 to 18 months, I would say. Like you really have to like push, you know, for like that amount of time to see what's going to happen, what's working, what's not if it's going to be, you know, if it's trending up, you know, in revenue and everything. um, Because I feel like sometimes people get into this, and they're expecting stuff, you know, like the first two weeks, you know, or like you said, the first 10 seconds, that you start something. Um, But you, it has to be something that, you know, you can't shut up about. So like, you're gonna start this business, and then you just have to give whatever percentage of yourself that you can to this over a really long period of time. Um, You know, it's not even that long either, you know, like a year. Um, But then, you know, kind of like Joe, like you're saying, I think once you jump into it, like the, a big difference between living like a day-to-day life and living like an entrepreneurial life is that as an entrepreneur, you have to be seeing like three to six months ahead of time, like at least, you know, kind of like where you're going to be taking things so that your actions now can get you the results that you want at that point in time. Um, and so like learning to have like that long-term vision, I think is really important. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So- yeah but great advice guys thanks um so last thing here self promo time tell us your business where people can find you anything you're working on right now and how can all of us watching everybody here best support you
3: okay so we're i'm erica and this is joe we're white long pt we're in las vegas we have two locations one in the south southwest portion we're in CrossFit Culmination South um, it's, it's like Sunset and 215 and then we have a Summerlin location which is in CrossFit Culmination North and that's um, like Charleston and Durango that's kind of the cross streets uh, we have again I think you mentioned Facebook yeah, yeah. And Instagram quite long yeah. PT
2: yep and then uh, the website is quite long PT.com so there's links to some of our stuff on there
3: yeah, and we didn't just release a podcast episode, so we have friends and family that could. Uh, we actually our first our first um, episode is about a, is uh, we interviewed a tour guide. He does a uh, tours like from Grand Canyon to, and he also does some on the Strip. But you know, come time, if uh, if you're ever interested in visiting Vegas, we have lots of fun gems about like you know cool restaurants and more local stuff. That's really our, our goal is check out some more local stuff and i'm sure as we uh travel again people will
0: come to vegas and go ham yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome um if you want when we get off if you want to post the link to your podcast um well i'll check it out i
2: right. appreciate it
0: yeah cool well thank you guys so much for being here really appreciate it i know that there was so much that we talked about today that'll be really really helpful Um, for a lot of the therapists that are in this group. So we all really appreciate it. Um, And yeah, so you guys, if you wanna contact Erica and Joe, um, I'll put their uh, contact information in the description of the video here and definitely reach out to them. They've been an amazing resource for me. Um, So feel free to reach out to either of us. And then, you know, as you guys know, um, if you're ready to start a practice or just curious about it, please send me a message. I love helping people do this. So, you know, definitely contact me and we'll get you going. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I am honored to be a part of this community and it is my hope that by spreading the stories of clinicians just like you who wanted something more and went after it, it will inspire you to create the life and career that you dream of and that you work so hard for. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash-Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganmeese.com. I would love to speak with you and you can also find me on Instagram at DrMorganMeese. So who do you want to hear from next or would you like to be featured on this series? Please email me at morgan at thewellphysio.com. I'll talk to you guys soon.